the message is titled, Focused on Christ. Focused on Christ. And I would like for you to turn with me, it's not in your outline, to Acts chapter 16. I felt like the Lord told me to start here. Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at that this morning. And uh, it's really the, it's about Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. And it says, as Paul and Silas were going to a place of prayer, verses 16 all the way up through 35, Acts 16, 16 through 35, as they were going to a place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So this was a demonically possessed young girl. And she was making money for her owners by giving fortunes, fortune-telling and telling this kind of stuff. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing it for many days. So she's following Paul, and she's saying this, These are the servants of the Most High God. They're telling you the way to Jesus. But she's interrupting everything Paul's wanting to do constantly, and Paul's had enough. He's had enough. Well, she was speaking good things, but do you know that the devil can appear to be good and still be evil? And this was more of a distraction than it was a blessing. And she kept doing it for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, it's okay to be annoyed. Do you ever get annoyed? Don't look at your family member and say, that's you. You annoy me. Don't do that. He had become greatly annoyed. We all have those folks in our life. And turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers, And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and are disturbing our city. Come on now. When revival starts happening in churches, it it starts disturbing families. When awakening starts happening outside of the church, it starts messing with commerce and businesses. You know, there's been some great awakenings where bars have closed down. There's been praise and glory going on in the awakenings to where People were getting saved wherever they were. It's amazing what God could do. And I'm believing God for that at least one more time. One more time. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined them in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave others, gave orders to beat them with rods. Come on now. All he did was cast out a demon. (laughs) But he hit somebody's pocketbook and wallet. Come on now. We're wanting revival in the church. We're wanting awakening in America. I remember Pastor Charles Hackett always tell me, Owen, you're going to see revival in America when Americans' pocketbooks and wallets are emptied out. There's something about, there's truth in that. 
You know, we know the scripture, I've never seen the righteous forsaken their seed out begging for bread. It doesn't mean that your needs won't be met. But what it does mean is that you may face some persecution. So they got beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into a prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, come on, we got to stop here. Because this is going to be uh, the just of my message today is we get in situations where we've lost this, lost a loved one, lost health, lost jobs, lost finances, lost a relationship. All those things are not good and they're devastating, but what do you do when that happens to you? Or you're being unjustly persecuted. Paul and Silas were praying in the inner part of the filthy prison. Just praying. And then they started singing. Oh, my gosh, there are times you've got to put your praise on when nobody else will. You've got to put your praise on when nobody else will. So they're praising God. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So not only are they doing this, they're being a witness. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Just bump your neighbor. Say suddenly. suddenly. Especially for those that are asleep. Suddenly. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Come on, man. Woo! We need to see some people get unfastened. We need to see some people have some shaking in their homes and have some shaking in their schools and have some shaking in their workplace and have some shaking in the city, in the county. And, oh, Jesus knows we need shaking in America. Come on. Now, this is the kind of stuff I'm expecting. Just shake it off. Come on, Lord. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to, come on now, kill himself. The world will reach a point of hopelessness because of the lawlessness. And that's where we shine the brightest. Come on, can I say that again? The world is going to reach a point of hopelessness because of lawlessness and that's where we are going to shine the brightest. Amen. Wanting to die, not wanting to live, not, not really caring. I mean, I don't know what's going on with you, but places I go, I can't help where God just continues to open up doors for me to pray for people. The gal that cuts my hair, she's much older than me, and I was in her shop, and, and she was telling me about her pain, and I, I told her, I said, I cannot leave this place, doesn't matter who's here, without, if you'll allow me to put my hands where that pain is on your arm and shoulder and ask God to do a miracle. Now, I'm believing when I go back, she's going to tell me, because she has suffered with this for two years, she's going to tell me that God has healed her. I'm believing that. So I prayed for her, and she gave me a hug, 
and she's letting me know, anytime I need in, she'll bump appointments. <laughs> Move them around. Because we talk about everything. And I just encourage them. That's what we're supposed to be doing, amen? I remember I was doing a youth camp and I was speaking and we'd seen the Holy Ghost fall and we'd seen all these kids get filled with the Spirit and, and, and the next night I was preaching and all of a sudden I get this. The Lord says, there are seven teenagers here with ADHD and I want to set them free tonight. Now he told me that and I did this because <laughs> there were 400 of them out there. I said, can't I just say there are some teenagers here with ADHD? He said, I said seven. <laughs> Do you know that I have every youth pastor in the state here, and they're going to be looking at me, God? Seven. There are seven teenagers here with ADHD, and God wants to heal you. Stand up right now. And I just closed my eyes. And did that. <laughs> Come on, stand up. And when I looked up, I counted seven. I said, you seven, come up here. And God touched their lives, did a miracle in their minds, touched their bodies. But you see, if we're not going to be available vessels to speak the truth out in love and to take the step of faith when you're getting out of the boat and you're not sure where you're going to land, because what was that in me? Pride. Pride. But God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Let's keep reading here. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Come on now. That's a miracle in itself that they didn't bail out. We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, they're going to come broken, battered, and trembling. Whew. They may have persecuted you. They may have said bad things about you. They may have been a terrible neighbor, but there's coming a point where you're going to be the only Jesus they're going to come to. He came trembling with fear, and he fell down before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was signing a death sentence right there. But he knew he'd probably die because the prisoners were going to escape. What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him. What did they speak to him? What did they speak to him? If you don't know the B-I-B-L-E, you're not going to be able to do what God wants you to do. I'm going to get to the other part here in a moment, but there's so much that we have to have. Taylor, are you guys ready? There are a bunch of Christians running around, and they don't even know what's going on in their life. They are struggling with so many things. And so God is saying you need to have your daily bread. How many of you know you need to be in the Word daily? Daily bread. You need to take in that food. 
You need to digest that food. God wants you to have that food. It's so important. But what we have in the body of Christ is we have a bunch of anorexic skeletons that aren't doing anything for the kingdom of God because they're not taking in the word of God. And they're running around shaking, rattling, and doing all these things. And God is saying to you and to I, we need to have a daily time in the Word of God. You cannot rely on Sunday morning. You cannot rely on Wednesday night. You can't rely on your radio program or your CDs. You need to get before the Lord and let God speak to you. Amen? So this is what's happening around the body of Christ. We just are having a bunch of these Skeletons just running all around. So let me see it, Taylor. Let me see it. There they go. They're all over the church. They're doing, sometimes they even get on the platform. They're just running all around and doing all this kind of stuff. And really, there's no meat on their bones because they're not digesting the Word of God. It's the truth. It's the truth. Come on, shake those bones at them. Shake them at them. Come on. You don't want to be one of these. You don't want to be one of these. You want to have, you want to have the Word of God just filling you to overflowing. Amen? All right, wave bye to them, guys, and then you can go. Okay, take them on back there. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, some of you are cracking because you got nothing in there. So these men, Paul and Silas, lead these jailer and his family to the Lord. And it says that the jailer fed them, patched up their wounds from the beating. It's so important to realize you will be persecuted, but listen, the eternal rewards in seeing others in the kingdom. I'm not talking about your reward. We've got to get beyond ourselves of seeing others in the kingdom of God is worth it all. The effective, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Your prayers are powerful. Don't stop praying. Moms and dads, grandparents, those that are praying for prodigals, keep praying. It's so important. Now look with me on your outline at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect thing that God has for you. Come on. We need to be taking in what God has for us. Now I want to read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Say every weight. Say sin, which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. I believe that we in this nation need to start laying aside anything that's weighing us down, sin that's distracting us, lay it down so that we can run the race and reach the ones that God's calling us to reach. There's all kinds of conspiracy stuff going on. 
They're talking about an outbreak of Ebola. That's a death sentence. This is how corrupt some of these men and women in this world that want this one world government, that want to reduce the world's population from almost 8 billion to a half million. Or a half billion, I'm sorry. And that's sad. Whatever it takes, we in America have some freedom. But you need to be involved and your voice needs to be heard. You need to be praying, though. We need prayer warriors following the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading here. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Come on now. There comes a point where you put your praise on, you trust God. Yes, he, he was in the garden. He said, if it be possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. But he said, but not thy will, but my, not my will, but thy will be done. There comes a point that you say, Lord, even in the persecution, I'm going to rejoice. Remember, I can't remember if it was ISIS or whoever had those 20-some men in orange jumpsuits, and they brought them forward, and they were going to, decapitate them, those 27 men were all believers in Jesus Christ. And the real story behind the scene was those men in their language started singing praise to Jesus. As they were killing those on the right of them and the left of them, they kept singing until they were all dead. And their families had to watch this happen. But those children and those wives heard those husbands just sing praises to Jesus because they knew where they were going. We've not faced that here. But things are sliding so fast. That's why you need to step up, step out, and step into places. And be the man and woman of God he's called you to be. It's so important. So important. With joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In Corinthians, Paul's writing to them, Corinth, Corinth became a very fleshly church, divisive. It was all about what they could get, what they could gain, because it was a rich city. So Paul's writing to them, and, and he's telling them in 1 Corinthians 11, you know, you need to stop this. And then he goes on, and, and they're about to receive communion, but he says this because they have forgotten to revere God and the things of God, the reverence for God, the holiness of God had been set aside because they were serving their flesh. They were about to take communion, and this is what he says to them in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Because you have decided to follow your flesh. You're not honoring the things of God anymore. We are to deflect praise from us to God. We're not to take his praise, amen? Our God's a jealous God. He wants the glory, so he needs to receive the glory. Oh, man, you did this and you did that, and I just think you're such an awesome. No, Jesus is awesome. I just happened to get the opportunity to serve him. Reflect it back. He doesn't share his glory. I believe that the reason we're in a mess today is we have 
Too many ambitious people. Let me help you out here. Ambition is killing the Democratic Party. Ambition is killing the Republican Party. Ambition is killing believers because our ambition, we want this, we got to have this, I deserve this, I, I, I'm good enough. And what happens is if you follow ambition, it will lead to destruction because ambition will cause you to bow your moral fiber to immoral things. You mean I got to go to this party and I got to do this kind of stuff and I, and I got to be a part of this and I got to drink this and do this and, and I've got to change my gender or have this type of sexual relationship. Ambitious people, I'm telling you, you can find a lot of people that have gone deep into the dark stuff and they have been led by their own fleshly ambition. You say, yeah, but they changed their lifestyle. They were willing to compromise whatever to get this. Come on, this is what's going on. Now, that's a word from God right there. Ambition. Be careful of your ambition. Be careful that it's not you that wants to be seen. It's you that wants all the notoriety. God doesn't share his glory. Following their desires. Unchecked. Ambition unchecked leads to a full, a life's full of evil and sin. Ambition can lead to destruction. And I want to tell you, a perfect example of ambition are Hollywood actors and actresses. They'll do whatever, take any part, whatever, to keep the money and the notoriety, to stay looking young, the evil that's going on. But listen, God doesn't need ambitious people. He's looking for the ordinary. Can you say amen? amen? Nameless and faceless people. God takes the ordinary and he makes them supernatural. To do things for the kingdom of God by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Nameless and faceless people are being called forth right now. You're going to see more and more of this. Here's the problem, though. Too many of us, I need Jill to come out. Too many of us are so full of ourselves. Come on up here. Let me help you, my pregnant lady. I believe Todd has already had a heart attack this morning, her husband. Stand right here sideways just facing me, Jill. There you go. I want them all. You could turn just a little. There you go. Okay. What are you doing, Owen? I want to talk about getting rid of the wrong kind of thinking. Proverbs talks about as a man thinks or as a woman thinks, so are they. But if we don't have the word... We can't think right. We just become skeletons. And really, we're not effective for the kingdom at all. We need a new revelation. We don't need a new revelation because I'm hearing people, I need a new revelation. No, we don't need a new revelation. We have the Word of God. That is revelation. We don't need something new. It's all in there. 
And it's new every morning, I'm telling you. If you get into it. But people are looking for the wrong things. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is fashioned against me shall succeed. I like that. Let me say that again. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. He goes on to say, I'm going to prosper you. And I'm not talking about getting rich. I'm talking about prospering you in the kingdom of God. There's no greater peace than knowing that you are doing the things of God. Well, why do you have Jill up here? We invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And when we do that, that word in the Greek says that he rests in our bowels, the abdomen. Jill is pregnant with the Holy Spirit. He's got so much he wants to do in and through us. The problem is we can't let it get up to here because as a man thinketh, so is he. And so the Holy Spirit says, you're ordinary, but I'm going to do the extraordinary through you. But my mind says, no, I come from the poor side of the tracks. I can't do that. I don't have those gifts or talents. God, I don't know how you could use me. People have put me down, people, and, and people have affected it. But it's not been the devil that's caused the bad thinking. It's been our own flesh. Come on, can I help you out this morning? You have been filled up with the Holy Spirit. And these rivers of living water want to flow all through you. So I wanted you to see this extreme example. <laughs> to get just a little visual that the Holy Spirit is just in you waiting to get up to change your stinking thinking, as Joyce Myers would say. And to get you thinking right, okay, Jill, I'll let you go back down. She told me that's exactly what she looked like when she had those boys. <laughs> so you've asked the Holy Spirit to fill you. And he rises up like a flowing river out of us. We are, point number one is this, we are to reflect Jesus. But you can't reflect Jesus if you don't know his word. The second point today, number two, is this. We are to focus on the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and say, I don't know that the Holy Spirit leads me, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Say, Holy Spirit, come, take charge of me. Fill me right now. Let's just do that. Bow your heads. I want everybody to say this. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me up to overflowing and allow my mind to follow your leading in Jesus' name. We are to focus on the leading of the Holy Spirit. It is proven through Scripture not many mighty are called. 
Can I say that again? You see somebody multi-talented, they can do all this, and man, they look this way, and they got... Not many mighty are called. Oh, by the way, that's Ruthie. Hang on a second. Baby Ruthie that was in neonatal for months, she was reminding me that she's here, and she's, she's just all about Jesus. Can you give the Lord... How much did she weigh? One fourteen. One pound, 14 ounces, and here she is home. Can you give Jesus praise? Because we prayed for her. I call her my baby Ruth. But we thank the Lord for that miracle. Because that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And thank the Lord for her parents and grandparents that have stepped up and helped out. But not many mighty are called. It's the ordinary. Because you see, the mighty can get full of pride so easily, but the ordinary don't feel like they can do anything. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and he starts directing you, and he says, just go touch and pray for them. Just go over there and encourage that person. I want you to go give them $10. I want you to go buy their meal. I want you to pay for their Would you please stop and help them fix that flat? Would you please? You just never know what God wants you to do. How many know, though, our mind and the busyness is distracting us so much? As a matter of fact, most people don't see the flats because they're walking around like this. I crack up because Shaloi and I have a date night every Friday night. And I'm always telling her, look at all these people in the restaurant. I was downtown. I couldn't help myself. And there were like eight Purdue students waiting to get on the bus. And there was a young man, an Asian young man, and he was the only one that wasn't on his phone. And I went up to him and I said, hey, congrats. I did it really loud. Congratulations. He's like, what, 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 what? You're the only person not looking at your phone. You're enjoying what's around you. May you have a blessed day. He goes, okay, thank you. (laughs) And the rest of them kind of went. (laughs) And God wants to take the ordinary and the uncommon, or the common, and make it extraordinary, and uncommon. So tell yourself, say this with me, I am uncommon. I am extraordinary. Holy Spirit, pour me out. I'm telling you, if you'll start doing that every day, Holy Spirit, I'm uncommon. Now, most of you know I'm weird, so you don't have to really worry about that. But, but I'm as bold as a lion. I don't mean to be, it's just there. Because I love Jesus. And, and I'm so grateful for what he's done for me. And, and I'm, I'm done with all the distractions. I'm like, God, it's you and you alone. I had a guy call me this week, and he said, he's in another state, he said, and I've known him, and he said, been at this church for 12 years. They just threw me and my wife out. I just remained quiet. Can you believe that? You've walked through some of that. I just remain quiet. I said, I wonder why. Well, it was too loud in there. Uh-huh. And I'll bet you told the pastor everything you didn't like about that church every week. 
well, you got to speak the truth. <laughs> I said, but you don't, are you doing it in love? Sometimes you just need to pray. He's got enough on his plate. He's probably had enough of you for 12 years. That's what I said. I said, because I know you. And I said, here's the problem. Your wife has just lost her ministry and all that's going on. She's devastated. And he said, I know. It really is because of me. Isn't that pathetic? You see, some people, it's still all about them. And they have no respect for any type of authority. And they have to shoot their mouths off. We have to be careful because God wants us to respect the authority above us. And sometimes we need to be seen and not heard and be on our knees praying. And be spirit-led instead of head fleshly led. Come on. How many times have I been in ministry where God has just rocked people's world? There's been a great outpouring. God's done some mighty things. And I walk out to the lobby and someone's like, preacher, pastor, come here. Did you see this? Oh, my gosh. And I want to go, be gone. Many times I go out this door, go back there, and I don't answer my phone because I know how the devil works. When God pours things out, the enemy sends in people to try to decimate in your own head because stinking thinking. We're just ordinary common people that God wants to use. It doesn't matter about your degrees. It doesn't matter what kind of business or money you have or don't have. When Jesus watched the little widow, you see they had all these huge tubs, copper tubs lined up in the temple. And, and there were different places where they had them where people would come and give their offering. And Jesus was right up here sitting watching what they were doing, and some of these rich people would come in, and they'd throw it all in there, and they'd make all kinds of noise, and the priests and people were going, whoa, whoa. But the widow with the two mites walked up. She dropped him in. <laughs> the uncommon, the ordinary, the common, the one. And Jesus says to his disciples, she gave more than them all. She gave more than them all. And you've heard this story, but I need to remind you, when we were getting ready to buy this land, 30 acres here, and we were raising money, and there was a widow in our church, and she was in her 80s, was still working at the hospital to try. She'd had five kids she raised in a garage, in a garage behind a church down off of 6th Street. And this was the same widow that had revival services for children during the summer. And I lived on 7th Street, and me and my brother and two sisters would go down there as she preached the word of God to us. Her name was Virginia Casey.
And she put in the offering. She brought it to me. She said, Owen, this is what I want to give. And it was a check for $6,000. And I said, Virginia, what are you doing? I want to give this toward the land. I said, oh, no, you're not giving this. She looked at me. I said, I'm serious, Virginia. You're a widow. I know you just rent. You barely make it. You take the bus everywhere. We are not taking your money. And, oh, the Holy Ghost rose up on her. <laughs> she stood straight as an arrow, and she said, listen, boy, God told me to give this, and you're not going to deny me a blessing from God. Now, you apply it, and I'm like, okay. A year later, she calls me. She says, hey, would you take me to the hospital? Sure. So I'm taken to a hospital, and she's like, I got this letter. Before we left, she's like, read this. And it says, Virginia, you have investments, and you have, and she's like, what are they talking about? I said, I don't know. What'd you invest in? I haven't invested in anything. I said, you must have invested. No, I didn't. I said, Can, before we go, for your appointment, we got some time. Can I take you to a friend down at Solomon Smith Barney, a good friend of mine, and have him look at this? Sure, let's go down there. So we go down there. He opens it up. He gets on his computer. He's like, Virginia, you've got some dividends. She looks at me. What are those? I explained it to her. He said, you've got dividends worth almost $40,000. What do you want to do with it? She goes, I want the money right now. <laughs> I was taking her to her appointment, and she looked at me, and she said, and you weren't going to take my check. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's what God does. That's what God does. When he, Holy Spirit speaks to you to do something, you just obey no matter what anybody else thinks. Amen? That's what God does. He's so good. So good. Romans 8, verses 6 through 8 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe also that we live with him. We leave that life and we walk in the spirit. God says that the carnal mind is the enemy of God. So this stinking thinking, not the devil, not demons, it's our own flesh that doesn't want to obey when we have been full of the Holy Spirit that just the river of the Spirit wants to rise up and change the way we think, but we have a choice. But how can we know how to think if we've never digested the Word of God? The, the title of the message today was Focused on Christ. You see, our natural thinking mind doesn't get it. If we fight against the Spirit, 
then it just brings about a constant battle. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit inside of us. Amen? You feel greatness in your abdomen. You know God's calling you to something, but your head tells you you're a loser. You're single, and you feel like, God, I know, I know I'm single, but I know I want to be married, but your flesh tells you you're not worthy to be married. There's not somebody out there. for You're never going to find anybody. You feel like God wants to use you in a business, and you feel like he's burst something in there, but your mind tells you you don't have resources. There's no way you can do it. This is the battle that goes on the spirit and the bad thinking. Because I'm ordinary, I don't deserve it. God loves to take the common and make it uncommon. It's so important. You've got organizational gifts, but yet you think, I, I couldn't make it happen. That's what your mind tells you. It's so you're a city changer, a school mover, a business changer, but you're like, my mind says, well, nobody's going to listen to me. Stop the stinking thinking. When the Holy Spirit bursts something in you, he'll make the difference. Yeah, but I wish I could do that, but my health is so bad. Allow God to start doing some healing. Allow God to start making some changes. I just believe God wants to use me in healing. I've never done that before. Step out and let the Lord use you. It's not a demon that fights away God's dreams that he has for you. It's the fact that you do not take the word of God and elevate your mind to believe the greatness of God and the spirit that wants to work in and through you. Let me say that to you. It's not the demon that fights away God's dreams. It's the fact that you do not take the word of God and elevate your mind to believe the greatness that God wants to work in and through you. This is why we're in the mess we're in in America. Man, we can pray and cast out demons, but there's no way... I can cast out your stinking thinking. You're the only one that has to take every thought captive according to Scripture. I can't do it for you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, I must take every thought captive. It means to, to make it obey the anointing of the Spirit in my abdomen. Hello, God knew the enemy would throw thoughts in your head that would contradict what the Spirit wants to do, but you have to take every thought captive. Now, that's, that's really rich right there. That's where you've got to chew the cud. You know, a cow has four parts in its stomach, and, and it can bring things back up and chew on it again and put it back down in a different location and bring it up. And, and so when, when Scripture says you need to chew the cud, you need to meditate upon Scripture. You need to read a few verses, set it aside. Later on that day, come back to it. You know, I'm not about this reading the Bible through in a year. I'm telling you, it becomes a duty, and it becomes just a hindrance, and it becomes a bother. Take a little bit each day and say, God, use this to change me. Let me meditate upon this. 
And if you want to keep reading, keep reading. I'm all about reading it. But don't make it a duty because you get nothing out of it. Because your thoughts will move you away from the anointing and the obedience that the Holy Spirit is asking you to engage in. You see, the devil can shoot thoughts in, but you have to take them captive. So he's out there shooting thoughts. Joshua 1.8, he says, take my word and meditate on it day and night so that you can do what is written in it. Oh, my gosh. Stand up, rejoice. Let's just go home right now. Take my word. Joshua 1.8. Take my word, meditate on it day and night so that you can do what is written in it. Take my word, meditate on it, and you can do, you can do, you can do, you can do you can do what's written in it come on so important last point we must take every thought captive Isaiah 26 3 you will keep him keep her keep them you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust you. Stand with me this morning. As we focus on the Holy Spirit in our lives and this anointing, that's where we start doing what the Lord's Prayer. As it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. Lord, I want to just bring your kingdom to those around me that are hurting, broken, and allow them to see you, Jesus, in and through me. I want your word to change their lives. For God to do that, he needs us. Would you bow your heads this morning? For his will to be done, he needs you and I. We're to offer ourselves, our mind, body, and spirit, our soul, Spirit, soul, and body. But our mind, according to Romans 12, 2, has to be transformed. Do not conform to this world, but trans be transformed by the renewal of your mind that the testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Christians are praying right now. Jesus, I'm so grateful. I remember when we started this church, Lord, in our basement. And you showed me this train in the dark when I was down there praying. And the light on the train was coming at me in the darkness. And it was getting brighter and brighter. And you said, if you'll help build my kingdom, Owen, I'll blow you away. I'll blow you away. I'll heal your pain. And I'll take just a common, ordinary kid 
from the north side of Lafayette and I'll make you uncommon and I'll do extraordinary things in this church if you'll let my spirit and the anointing that I placed in you flow out of you. If God could take a nobody like me who had no confidence, no self-esteem, and pour in his spirit. And when I look around and I see a Kyle Ray, a Larry Bateman, when I see a Todd Tucker, when I see a Tim Taylor, I remember the first time I met Tim Taylor, he said, you're a worship leader? And he said, aren't those people gay? <laughs> that was his first greeting to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And you hunt? You like guns? I said, what do you do? What do you think I do? Play with a piano all day or what? <laughs> it's amazing what God can do when I see a, a guy that comes from a Baptist church in Mulberry. And I get to talk with him. His name's Brian Roller, and I see potential in him, and I see the spirit in him, and I've seen what God has done through his life. When I see this Catholic boy, Tim Overman, who gets on fire and brings me to his house when I first come back and feeds me pizza. And he has TJ, and he tells me how important it is for me to have kids. And I'm like, get away from you. You're not of God. <laughs> but I look at all these things through the years. I remember pastors telling me, you'll never amount to anything. But I didn't believe them. I said, I don't plan on amounting to much. I'm just going to do what God wants me to do and let him receive the glory. Bow your heads. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he loves you so much. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your faults are. I don't care how you've messed up in the past. If you're here and you say, can he take this ordinary messed up life and do something? Yes! With Christians praying, and if that's you and you don't know Jesus or you've walked away, nobody looking around or watching by live stream, would you just lift your hand and say, that is me this morning. I need Jesus to be my Lord. Yes. Anybody else, just lift it up and take it back down. I need Jesus to be my Lord. I know there's more. Just going to wait a moment. If you lifted your hand at home or you said, yes, that's me, you could receive Christ if you're in the car or the office this week. Anybody else, just remember, I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm just going to pray for you from up here. Anybody else remember me in prayer? Oh, and that is me today. Just going to lift your hand. Yes, just lift it up and take it back down. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Come on, man. Heaven's rejoicing. Whoo! Heaven's rejoicing. Church, it's about people getting into the kingdom. It's about taking a little extra time and giving them an opportunity to receive. Anybody else remember me in that prayer, Owen? Just lift it up. Nobody looking around. Lift it up and put it back down.
Are there any teenagers who say, man, you don't know what I think, how I messed up, what I say, what I do? Can I tell you, I was one of those at one time, a long time ago. And I didn't think he could forgive me, but he can. With nobody looking around, if you're a teenager, you're like, man, I just really need to rededicate myself. Nobody, would you just lift your hand up and say, that's me, Owen. Come on, be real with God. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, any other teenager, come on. This, I'm telling you, man, you're the generation that's going to turn this world upside down. Anybody else, just remember me, Owen. I'm a teenager. I'm a young person. I'm in my early 20s. I, I just need God. Lift your hand up. Don't want to miss you. This is why we pour into the kingdom of God. Don't hold back what God's told you to let go of. There's souls to be reached. There's Bibles to be given. There's people to be poured the kingdom out to. Come on. I want everybody to pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. If you lifted your hand this morning, say it. Lord Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. Not just a Savior. I want you to be my Lord. Forgive me for all that I've done. Today's a new day. Condemnation is leaving. I believe you're the son of God. You lived a perfect life. You went to the cross. You died for me. And you rose from the grave. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. I'm saved. I'm born again. Today's a new beginning. I won't be perfect, but I'm going to grow in you. Now, give me a hunger for your word. Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing each and every day. In Jesus' name. Pastor Taylor's going to be up here. If you lifted your hand and you want a Bible or some literature, you come up here and see him. He'll make sure you're good. Lord, bless him. Give him a great week. Allow them to just be a light for you and stay focused. Stop the stinking thinking and let them be anointed and flow out in Jesus' name. God bless you.